Uh, I don't know if you guys are like me. I, I really hate going to garage sales. Um, the reason I hate going to garage sales is because when you get there, here are these people sitting around piles of their junk that they don't want anymore, but they look at you as if, why aren't you buying the junk I don't want? You know, like they're looking at you and they have what I call the sad face. They just kind of sit there and they turn their head a little bit and their eyes just kind of, and they just watch you and, and they tell you made up stories like, like, oh yes, that was, that was Johnny's God rest his soul. You know, like there was no Johnny, you know, and then they, they, they make, make you feel real bad, you know? And then if, if you don't buy anything, then the sad eyes turn into the angry eyes, you know? And then, just kind of walking away. And you can just, you don't, you don't have to look. You just feel it in the back of your head, man. Easier for me without the hair. They're just looking at you, you know? I mean, just burning a hole in the back of your head. Like, why didn't you buy any of this stuff that I don't want? What's wrong with you, you know? And, and you know, uh, the other day, my wife and I went over to her parents and there was a garage sale going on next door. And so she says, oh, let's go over. I'm like, are you crazy? Don't you know about the sad and the angry eyes? Like, I'm not going over there. And so she says, I'm going. So she goes over and she comes back five minutes later with this panicked look and something in her hand. And I'm like, oh no. And so she goes, um, I didn't know what to do. There wasn't really anything I wanted and I only had a few dollars on me. So I bought this pack of baseball cards with a dollar. You know, I was like, oh yeah, those sad eyes got you, you know? And, and so I said, well, let me see them. And they weren't wrapped up like in the, in the wrapper. A dollar for a new pack of cards wouldn't have been so bad, but they were beat up old cards from 1983 with a rubber band around them. And I just looked at her and I was like, honey, you are pathetic. Like, what have you done here? Good find, you know? All right, good job. That was a good spend on that dollar, you know? But you know what? I think a lot of us actually spend time with God for the same reason she bought those baseball cards. I think that you and I often think about spending time with God because if we don't spend time with God, then, then we're going to get the sad eyes, you know? We're going to feel guilty. We're going to feel bad that, that we kind of left God hanging and that he didn't get that time he so desperately needed with us because apparently time with you and I is what you know, keeps him ticking, right? So we get the, the sad eyes from God. And if we, if we you know, hold out long enough with the sad eyes from God, then we'll get the angry eyes of God. And, and man, I don't want the angry eyes from God because if he gets angry at me, then just things start falling apart. And so I'm going to pray, keep him happy. I'm going to pray and make sure he doesn't get too upset because if he gets upset, man, he'll start doing all kinds of stuff to me and making all kinds of bad things happen. And when that happens, I'll have to run back to him and ask him to forgive me for not praying, even though I didn't really want to pray in the first place, but I'm here now to just keep you appeased and so that you're not angry and mad at me, right? And so often that's our motivation to spend time with God. It's, I really should. I, I, I need to. Or he's going to get upset or, or it's just going to, it's just, my life's going to fall apart if I don't spend that time with God. I, I really should. It becomes this guilt thing. And we're either guilted into it or we don't do it and then we feel guilty because we didn't do it. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that's God's heart for wanting you and I to spend time with him. I don't think that's why he would want you to say, spend some time in prayer, open your Bible or come to a setting like this or join a community group and spend time with God. I don't think he wants you to do it out of guilt or because he'll get all sad or angry at you. You see, I've been thinking a lot about this lately and I've been just realizing that, man, it's so much bigger than that. And the truth is, is that if we miss out on time with God, we are missing out on a huge opportunity. And so here we are doing this series called More. And last week, I just tried to inspire you. I tried to just simply say, would you pray a prayer this week that might change your heart and my heart? Would you pray this prayer, God, I want more of you? Would you walk through your week just saying, I just want to know you more, God? And you know what? Even if you don't want to know God more, would you pray, I wish I wanted to know you more, God? I wish there were more of a passion in me. I wish there were more of a hunger to know you. And so I hope you did that this week. I did that this week. I prayed that for me. I prayed that for you. I prayed that for us, that as a group of people, we would just be hungry 
for more of God. Now tonight, and for the next two weeks after tonight, I want to talk with you about practical steps about how to get closer with God. Because the truth is, is there are some really great ways to get more of God. It's not just about asking him for more of him. There are also some great steps you and I can take. The problem is, some of those steps are things like this. Praying, reading your Bible, memorizing scripture. The reason it's a problem that that's the way you can get more of God is that most of us only do those things because we feel guilty. And most of us, when we don't do those things, feel even more guilty that we haven't done those things, so maybe we should get back to doing those things. And so, so often, it's just simply this thing I don't want to do that I should do, so I'll force myself to. But maybe there's something better than that. Maybe we need to change our perspectives. I can tell you this. If you and I believe that God's just going to get angry at us and he's going to get all sad and upset with us, so that's why we should spend time with God, and that's as far as it goes, then we are really, really missing an amazing opportunity that we have. And so I want to talk about that opportunity tonight. I want to talk with you guys specifically tonight about prayer. And some of you guys in this room are like, Doug, I know all about prayer. You don't have to tell me about prayer. Get Andrew and Jamie and the band back up here and we can sing because I don't need to hear this, okay? And you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're, you know how to pray and you know why you should pray. But let me ask you a few questions, okay? And, and if you answer yes to all these questions, you can go home, you can go ahead and watch the Patriots game and have fun and enjoy. Don't tell me any scores, didn't watch anything today, I'll kill you. Okay, um, but if you, can, if you say yes to all these questions, then you can go home, all right? And the questions are this. First one is, is your prayer life completely on fire, man? You know, day in, day out, are you just there with God? Is it just like the highlight of your day? I just can't wait to get with God. I can't wait to be with him. Do you see consistent answers to prayer? Are you passionate about that time with God, just you and him every day? And if the answer is yes, then have a good night and we'll see you next week. But, but for the rest of us that sometimes struggle with that, we need to talk about this. Now there's some more of you in here tonight and you're growing in a relationship with God and if you're honest, you're going, I'm, I'm psyched for talking about prayer because I would love to grow in this. I'd love to want to pray. I'd love to see answers to prayer. I'd love to see God actually show up. So that's awesome that you're here. There's another crew of you guys here tonight. You're, you're brand new Christians. I was in the cafe a few weeks ago and uh, I'm not sure if she's here. I can't see, but somebody said to me, I'm a baby Christian. And I was like, happy birthday. I don't know what he said to that, you know? And, and, and I was like, I got so excited though. Cause you know what she was saying? She was saying, man, I just found all this, man. I, I just found who Jesus is and, and who God is. And this is so real and alive to me. And you can just see it in her face. She's excited. And you know what? Some of you guys are, are right there with her and you're thinking, teach me how to pray and teach me why I should pray. Help me understand this. And there's a fourth group of you and, and you guys in the room would say, well, I don't really believe in God. And my experience has shown me that prayer doesn't really do anything. And so you know what? No matter what group you're in tonight, and whether you've been praying longer than I've been alive, or you're just a baby Christian, or you don't know if God's even there, then I hope tonight you will get something out of this. Because what I want to talk with you guys is how to pray and why to pray. You see, a bunch of you guys know how to pray. But often there's a disconnect between our brain, where we know how to pray, and our heart, which says, this is why I should pray. It's my passion to pray. It's my passion to be near Jesus. And I don't know about you. I'm 34. I've been a Christian a long time. been a pastor a long time. But I need this. And so tonight, let's talk about prayer. Let's learn from Jesus. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray tonight. Um, and what we're going to see here is how to pray and the benefits of prayer. It's really the how and the why. 
It's how to pray and it's the benefits of prayer. And what I want to say up front is that what we're going to study tonight, uh, these verses, just a few verses out of Matthew, they're famous. It's a famous prayer. And that's really almost a bad thing. Because I'll tell you this, many of you guys have this prayer memorized. But you really don't care what it means. This is probably one of the most prayed uh, portions of Scripture. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And you know what? A lot of you guys learned the Lord's Prayer even as a little kid. And you could memorize it. You could say it tonight. And you've said it maybe thousands of times in your life. But it really hasn't made much of a difference in your heart or your world. And so tonight I want to talk about these verses and what Jesus is trying to get across. See, here's what Jesus is not trying to get across. Here is what he did not want to happen. He did not want 2,000 years later for a bunch of Christians to get together and recite these verses over and over and not mean a word of it. That would be the last thing he would want. What he was trying to teach his followers was this. Please catch this. He was trying to teach them that there are themes that you should pray. There are things you should say. Don't just recite this prayer however you want. Don't just get together with a bunch of people, say this prayer, or get on your knees in your room by yourself and say this prayer. No, no, he's, he's trying to under, get people to understand these are the things. If you're going to pray, these are the themes or the things to bring up. This is what it should look like. You know how I know he wasn't just trying to get people to recite a prayer and memorize it and say it over and over again? Because if you read the Bible, you see Jesus pray later on, and he never does it. He never gets together and gets 12 disciples together and say, let's pray my prayer now. You know, gather around and uh, let's do this. Okay, he never does that. And then there's Paul. Paul never does that. He never gets Barnabas and Mark and all these guys. Okay, let's do the Lord's prayer. And Peter doesn't do it. And John doesn't do it. And James doesn't do it. And nobody else does it because they understood something about this prayer. It's not just to be memorized and recited. It's, it's to be understood what it means, why it's important. And it's to come out of your heart, not just your head. And so tonight, I hope you'll see what that looks like as we just kind of unfold this and talk about this. So we're going to talk about the themes and the benefits, the how and the why. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus himself is teaching his followers. He says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, so he starts here. I don't know about you. When I was a kid, I thought that was hallowed, right? Like, empty is your name, Lord. You know, like, I didn't quite get that, right? But hallowed, what does that mean? It means holy. Holy. Well, what does holy mean, right? That's kind of like one of those words you're like, oh, yeah, it's, I, I know I could spell it, but I don't really know how to explain it, you know? Holy means different. Holy means that God isn't like you and I. And so, you know, the theme that we find ourselves here is Jesus trying to tell us when you first start out, Start out here. Start out at worship. Start out coming to God and saying, God, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to say that you're different than me. And so when you first come into a time of prayer, you come in going, God, you're holy. God, God, you're different than me. You're you're way bigger. I'm just little. You're huge. You know everything. I, I really know nothing. You can do all things. I really can't do all that much. And, and you know why this is important for us? The benefit of this is that God's hugeness, God's gigantic ability and power comes front and center. And our smallness does too. This is so important because when you and I first start to pray, we often start and finish with our requests and our needs, don't we? 
And we'll get to that in a minute. That's a part of this. But usually it's just, God, I need God this, God that. Please help this. Be with that situation. Be with that person. Help me get this money. I need that scholarship. I need this and that, right? And what Jesus is trying to say is come in worshiping. And when you do that, the benefit of doing that is that your smallness and God's hugeness comes front and center. And that is good news. Some of you guys are offended tonight. That's good news to be able to say, God, you're big and I'm little. You are enormous and eternal and completely different than me. And so, God, I'm coming in here, and I don't know about you, I often come into God's presence or come into a prayer time with an attitude. I come with this reverse. God, I am huge and you are little. I'm huge because I need all these things and you're not listening. That makes you little. But instead, I come in and I just start off and, and I got my attitude because my mom still got brain cancer and I got my attitude because my wife's been sick for four years. I got my attitude because of this financial need or the church hasn't happened this way or that way or this person's upset with me and I got a nasty email and I come in my attitude and it's just like, Doug, just, just, just chill and just remember, I'm not like you. I don't think like you think. I don't act like you act. You're small, I'm big. You see dimly, I see clearly. You see in part, I see in full. My ways aren't your ways. And suddenly it's like all that attitude and all that edge that I carried in just kind of falls off. I go, God, you're big and you're good and you're able. I love that God stands outside of time. My kids the other day, we were talking. My kids are like the most ridiculously, theologically like brilliant people I've ever met. And they're just like eight, six, and four. Sometimes they ask questions. I'm like, dang it. You know, it's just crazy. But the other day, we, I don't even remember how this happened. We're on the way to school in the morning. My brain doesn't work that early. But, but they're asking me like about how God like it relates to time. I'm like, who are these people? You know, didn't get, it must be from the mom, right? And so I t- just picked up a water bottle and I was like, well, all right, let's say this is all of humanity and we're inside this water bottle. And so we can look back and we can see history and we can see where we are now. We can't see forward, but, but we're all just kind of inside this and all we know is water bottle, you know? All we know is there's a little bit of water in here and there's a plastic thing and I guess what the heck is that thing up front and I don't even know. And, and, and then there's God who's outside of time and he's holding it. He's holding it all and he sees it from beginning to end and it's just like this small to him, you know? And he just sees and he knows he's got a plan. He knows like, you know, like just like I could either pour this or, you know, turn it this way. I could drink it. I could take the top off. I, I mean, I, I, I have a plan with this thing. I will drink this before the night is over. Okay, that's my plan. And you know what? God's just looking at our lives just like this, just holding us in his hands, completely different than you and I who are freaking out about this and that. And God, why haven't you yet? And God, why didn't you yet? And he's just going, look, I, I have a plan and I, I see it. I'm outside of time. You're inside time. I get that. That's hard. But, but I'm outside of time. And I have all this completely under control because I'm big and you're small. I don't know about you, but when I come to God, it's just like, okay, I got to start with worship. I got to start with his hugeness and my smallness, with his differentness. Because his thoughts aren't my thoughts and his ways aren't my ways. You guys know I love to pray outside. And so sometimes I'm up late at night. Sometimes I'm up early in the morning and I'm always, always outside praying. And I'm walking around because when I'm walking around, his hugeness is on display. And I see the stars and I see the moon and I see everything's completely under control. And I can walk in the morning and see flowers sprouting up and trees and, you know, colors and the leaves will be changing soon. I see all that. And I'm like, he's got it. He's got it. If he's got this, he's got me. If, he, if this is all under control and held together by the word of his mouth, then so am I. 
And so his hugeness just calms me down, knocks the attitude off, and brings me to that place where I can get to the next step of the prayer. Verse 10 says this. Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he starts out with worship and then he says, now pray this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you ever feel like, I think we all think this, I think we all think we run our own kingdom on earth, you know? We have our own little kingdom world, you know, I'm Doug of the Jansenites, you know, and I'm running my own little Jansenite kingdom and we got a clan and we're gaining in strength and number and, you know, like, like I have some kind of control or ability to do something, <laughs> honestly. You know, the other day I was driving and my wife said, I was like, oh yeah, those pretty long eyelashes. I'm like, yeah, and they're real fun when they turn around and jab your eye. That's a lot of fun. That's a great side benefit. And you know, the other day that happened and one of these things just got in my eye and I'm trying to like get it out and I can't hardly see and people are trying to talk to me. And I'm like, hi, you know, and, you know, just like an idiot. And I'm like, I'm so not in control and eyelashes derailing my day, you know? And I just love the fact that he goes to this and he says, all right, you think you're running your own kingdom, but let's, let's, let's change this and let's say your kingdom come and your will be done. And so really the theme here is surrender. Surrender. Start at worship because you gotta, you gotta get to that place of worship. Otherwise you got that attitude and that chip on your shoulder and there's no way you can surrender at that point. But suddenly I've remembered how big he is, how little I am, and he's holding everything. He's outside of time. He's got it all worked out. And suddenly now I can surrender. And I can say, all right, not my will, but your will be done. Not the way I want to do things, but the way you want to do things. You know I don't. And so I trust you with this. I tell you, if I were to say, all right, for the rest of the night, I'm not going to do a message. I just want each one of you guys to come up If you want to, you can just take the mic and I want you to tell us a time in your life when you prayed and asked God for something and then he he didn't do it for you and later you were so happy that he hadn't done it, right? Every single one of you guys would come up here and say something. That's because your will is one thing and his will is completely different and our benefit here is that our will is traded for God's will. Right, Because I'm going, God, I need this. God, I need that. And he's going, oh, no, you don't. That's not what you want. That would destroy you. Right? And he's making things completely different. You know, like uh, some of you guys, I'm sure, have prayed, right, at one point or another, God, let this girl like me. God, please let this girl like me. I've never met a girl like this. Let her like me, right? And then like a year later, you're like, God, thank you. She's a psycho, you know? Like <laughs> heads in her freezers at home. I mean, like she's a psycho, you know? And you're like, thank you so much that girl doesn't like me. God, please don't ever let that girl like me, you know? And you're just so grateful, right? Well, what happened? Well, you just realized, like, okay, I thought I knew something. I do not know something. I am way off here, right? Uh, another prayer I can think of, I prayed when I was younger. And I see this in my kids. They want to get older. I got to get older. I want to get a license. I'm like, you're four, you know? I want to get a license, you know? But I remember that. I remember that. Oh, God, just make time speed up, man. I'm so sick of like being 14, God. Just make time speed up. And now I'm like, oh, God, thank you for not answering, man. I'm like, I have no hair left, you know? Like, <laughs> I, it would be fun just once to be able to get up the morning after a softball game and be able to walk again, you know? Like, just have that youth, you know? Like, I walk into the office and Joey's, hey, man, how you doing? He's all in shape. He's cracking walnuts with his biceps, you know? <laughs> you know? I'm like, hey, buddy, how are you? You know? I would just love to be able to walk again, you know? And so I look out, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for not answering that prayer, you know? But you know what? On serious levels, too, you know, I think of my wife, who's been sick for four years now, and 
man, I mean, every time I pray, I'm like, God, please let today be the day that you just touch her, do something amazing, just heal her body, do what only you can do. And it's like, wow, okay, we're still here four years later. And as we look back, we can honestly say, wow, God really was teaching us something there. And wow, the next year, oh man, in year two, okay, he was still really changing some things in our heart. And year three, and oh wow, even today, he's still teaching us stuff. And so I could be coming into God's presence all angry and upset. God, why isn't my wife healed yet? What's going on? And we, God heals. We've seen God heal in this room. You've heard people from the stage talk about God physically healing their body. God heals, he does it. But he's also got a will. And so there we are, just looking back going, okay, God, it's not our first choice, to be honest, but we've surrendered and we've traded our will for your will. And so we believe and can see what you've been doing and why this has continued. And so you come to that place of surrender and prayer. So you start at worship, knock that chip off your shoulder, see God for who he is, how big he is, and then you surrender and you bring those things before him. And then verse 11 says this, give us today our daily bread. And this, if we are honest, is where we spend most of our prayer time, isn't it? Don't we pretty much come in saying, God, give me what I need. Now, God wants to give us what we need. Nothing wrong with that. But do you see how most of us jump past worship and surrender and we come in just charging with all our requests? And so Jesus here is going, okay, you know, follow this. These are the themes that should be showing up. And this theme here is provision. God wants to provide for us. He wants to show up. He wants to be answering prayer. We've heard tons of stories. I've seen it in my own life a billion times of him just coming through in a miraculous way, an awesome way, a way that couldn't be explained any other way. And so he wants you to get to, God, my mom is sick. God, my wife is sick. God, be with my kids. Let them love you. God, uh, provide finances for the church. God, God, provide finances for our family. God, God, show up in this way. And I mean, he wants you to get there. It's just when you get there after your heart has already worshiped and is surrendered, you're very different than when you just walk in and you've got everything and you're just barking orders, right? And so he says, give us today our daily bread. Give us this day. And what's, what's the benefit here? Well, our needs get taken care of. Our needs get taken care of. Not all of our wants necessarily. That's a part of the surrender. But our needs get taken care of. And he knows what you need. And if you're here tonight and you have tremendous needs, he comes through. And so we see Jesus taking us to that next place of saying, all right, I love you like a good dad. I love you. I want to be there. I want to provide for your needs. Next part, verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is huge. Our theme here is forgiveness. But this is huge because what he says is forgive us our debts And then there's a comma, not a period. He says, forgive us our debts. So we come into God's presence. We go, God, forgive me. Uh, I I was angry this week. I was proud this week. I was jealous this week. I was, uh, you know, I was angry this week. I was unforgiving this week. I was, oh, God, just forgive me. I love you. You died, Jesus. You died for me on the cross to wash me of this stuff. Forgive me. But there's a comma. As we've also forgiven our debtors. He's going, all right, God, I'm going to stand in your presence here. I'm going to ask you to forgive me. But at the same time, you're forgiving me, someone who does not deserve your forgiveness. I'm going to look at that guy and that girl who does not deserve my forgiveness. 
and I'm gonna bring them up in the same breath, I say, God, forgive me. And so I've been doing this. I mean, you know, writing this message probably about a month ago and last month, I've been really focused on that one especially because it's the one I probably do the least. I'm okay at the forgive me part, but I don't very often on a daily basis bring up people that I need to forgive and say, God, give me love for them. God, yeah, they wronged me and it's, it's you know, it's, it's okay that I'm, I'm hurt and it's okay to be real with you and ask you to heal my heart. But at the same time, I can't hang on to this unforgiveness. And so how could we stand in God's presence and say, God, forgive me? And then he goes, okay. And then we look at our, this person who's hurt us and, and say, well, I won't forgive them though. And so that's an important, important, important step. And I know it sounds real cheesy and like church talk, but we so often say, all right, I'll forgive them and let them off the hook. I'll forgive them and, and let them go free. But in reality, when you and I forgive, we are letting ourselves off the hook. We are letting ourselves go free because our unforgiveness towards others so often destroys us. And so when you're forgiven, it's also your turn and your time to look at somebody else and forgive them. And so our benefit here is, is we find forgiveness and the ability for, to forgive others. You see, your, your ability to forgive others is absolutely 100% based on the fact that you've been forgiven and that I've been forgiven. And so suddenly we can turn and say, all right, while I was angry, now I'm forgiven. And so I can't look at them and hold on to this any longer. And so that's a powerful, powerful step. Lastly, verse 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so he says here, be real with God. Be real. We struggle. There are sin issues in our lives. If you're a visitor tonight and you're not a Christian or follower of Jesus, and you came in thinking that religious people were good or, or you at least knew we thought we were good and you've seen the real us, we'll just tell you flat out, we're not good. We're not good apart from God. We don't walk around as people pretending to be perfect. That it's really the opposite. We recognize how much we're imperfect and how much we need the forgiveness of Jesus and his strength. And we should be different. Yeah, we should be different, but we are not perfect. We, know, we don't claim to be. What we claim is that we have a God who continually forgives us and, and continually provides strength for us to be able to grow and get closer to Jesus and become more like him. And so here is where you and I can come into the presence of God and just say, Jesus, I am so tempted with lust this week. I'm so tempted with jealousy. I'm tempted with anger. I'm tempted to lie or cheat. I'm tempted to just get back into that party lifestyle. I'm tempted to sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I'm tempted to, God, help me. Deliver me from the devil. Deliver me from the evil one. And this theme, what we find here is strength. We find strength. I, two weeks ago, that was the entire message, right? How do you really change? You really change by going to the one who can really change you. You really change by going to God because he's the one who can change you. And so you and I come to him at just the end of that prayer time. We've worshiped, we've surrendered, we've asked for provision, we've asked for forgiveness and forgiven others. And now we're going, God, I need strength. Life's hard, this world's hard. There's all kinds of temptation everywhere. I need strength. I need you to deliver me from the evil one. And our benefit here is that we get strength to conquer our temptation and God delivers us from Satan or the devil and the plans he has for us. And so you've heard how to pray and you've heard why to pray and they're really the same thing. The how to pray is the why to pray. How to pray? Well, you should worship. Well, why should I worship? Because it's gonna make everything 
flip on its head. You're gonna see the goodness and the bigness of God and the smallness of you. It's gonna take you to that next point of surrender, which is perfect. It's brilliant how it all works together. It's almost like God set it up this way. Worship, which disarms all my attitude into surrender, which I can't do unless my attitude's been disarmed. And once I've surrendered everything, I can get to that place where I go to God and I say, God, I have needs. Would you heal and would you provide and would you protect and would you lead and guide and draw and all these other things, which you can only really truly do after you've worshiped and surrendered. And then he brings you to that place of being able to say, God, I'm a mess. Forgive me and help me to forgive others. And God, now I need strength because I want to change. I want to be more like you and I want you to free me from all the plans the evil one has for me. The the Bible said that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's after you. He's after me. He's trying to trip us up and mess us up and kill our faith. And we need daily to be looking to God saying, God, I need strength. And would you deliver me from those plans and those schemes? And so I don't know about you, but as I look at all this stuff and I think about the way that you and I normally think, I guess I better or God's gonna get angry at me. I guess it better or I'm gonna feel guilty if I don't. I don't know about you, but this gets, gets you and I more of God and some tremendous side benefits. Tremendous side benefits. Don't, don't you and I want to get to that place where we remember we're small and God's huge and can do anything? Don't you and I wanna to get to the place where we trade our will for God's will because we're small and, and completely incapable of knowing the future or changing the future and he's capable of all that? Don't you and I, when I get to the place where God is providing for our needs, don't we want to get to the place where we're forgiven and we're free from all the anger and the unforgiveness we carry toward others? And don't you want to get to the place where you have strength that's not your own? Is it insane? It's just me or is it insane to think I better spend time with God or he's going to get mad at me? Rather, shouldn't it be I get to spend time with God and see how big he is? and surrender my stupid little will and get provided for and get forgiveness and get strength. I get to do that. I get to spend the next 10 minutes alone by myself with God or the next hour or the next, I mean, take, take all the time you want, the next five hours. I, I get to spend that time with God listening, caring for what I'm going through. And so what I want you to do is I want to ask you, would you spend time this, this week, every day, praying? If we're going to be a church that gets more of God, if we're going to be a church that begins to see these things happening, we've got to spend time in prayer. And what I want to ask you to do is I want you to set apart a time to do it. And so if you're me, and I'm not a professional at this, but I just know how my week works. I'm, I'm super busy with kids and church and life and just friends and all kinds of great stuff, soccer games and all that good stuff. But I'll tell you, I know how busy it gets. So tonight I go, okay, this is when I'm doing time with God tomorrow. It'll probably be late tomorrow night and Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. It'll be early in the morning. And then Thursday night and Friday night, uh, Saturday night, it'll probably be late at night. And I, I just know my week. I know when the kids got to be at school and when, you know, I know all that. And so when it's my shift and my turn to do all that and I'm working everything around it because we're all busy and we're all crazy. So there's no excuse. I don't think many of you, maybe some, not many of you are busier than me. So I got you there, okay? But I'm carving out that time by God's grace because I need it. I got to be there. And so I don't want to ask you to put a 
time restraint or a time limit. I don't want to say do an hour or five hours or 10 minutes or whatever. You spend time with God. Get by yourself. We talk a lot here at Collision about spending time with God all throughout your day and just letting it be one big conversation, right? Well, this is a little different. This is getting by yourself. This is not walking through the hallway. This is not driving on your way to work. This is getting by yourself. All that stuff's good and awesome, and that keeps your relationship alive. But this is about getting by yourself. In fact, before Jesus teaches all this, he says to go in your room and close the door. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go in your room and close the door because Jesus' most famous prayers were prayed in the garden. There's no doors on gardens, okay? So don't make this this religious thing. What Jesus is trying to say is get by yourself. Carve out some time. And your prayer will lead you to worship, surrender, provision, forgiveness, and strength. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would be with us as we sometimes struggle through this. And uh, we just ask that, as we're asking right now as a church for more of you, that you would, through prayer, lead us to that, God. And we are all a work in progress. I thank you nobody went home to watch the Patriots game tonight because we all know we need help with this. And uh, so we pray for help, God. We pray, God, that you would just bring us to that place. And let's just walk through this together now. God, we come and we worship. And we say you're big and you're huge and you get it and we don't so often. And so we remember you're different than us. You're holy. And because of that, God, we surrender. We surrender our, our hopes and dreams about the future, future spouses and colleges and jobs and raises and how our kids are going to turn out and health and money and struggles in our bodies and in our minds and in our hearts. And God, we, we just surrender it. And we say, you, you know, and you're more than able. And God, we, we come to you to meet our needs, God. There are financial needs in this room, a lot of them. There are health needs. There are relationship needs. There are spiritual needs. Help us. Meet those needs, God. Show us as a church together that you answer prayer once again. God, forgive us because we sin. We fall short. We're proud and we're angry and we're lustful and we're jealous and we're impure and unholy. Forgive us. I thank you that you've made us holy and righteous through Jesus. And we now forgive those who've hurt us. We don't expect them to pay us back. We let it go. Would you give us love for them? Would you give us the ability to completely heal? And God, we ask for strength. This world's crazy. And there's all kinds of garbage all around us. And sometimes we find our, our way into it ourselves. And sometimes we end up in the middle of it without even realizing we're there. And we just need strength, God. And so would you be our strength when it comes to the desire to jump back into that party lifestyle, to jump back into that addiction, to look at porn, to sleep around, to lust, to gossip, our tremendous arrogance. Lord, all the things we struggle with. 
And would you deliver us from the evil one as he comes, Lord? Would you be that shield for us? If you're a Christian, just bring your needs to him now. If you're not a Christian, you've heard tonight that Jesus died for you and he rose again to save you. And if you want to begin a relationship with him, you can just pray something like this. It's really not about the prayer. It's about your heart. It's about your faith in him and what he's done for you. But this is a way to start a conversation. You can say quietly to him, Jesus, be my savior. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for not holding my sin against me. Now make yourself real to me, God. Show me that prayer is not a one-way conversation, but that you'll actually respond. I thank you that you have invited me to talk to you and know you. In your name I pray.